It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show. Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders, they were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played the 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now, that's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a great day today. Hope everybody's doing well. We are all over it today. We got a big full-service sports talk show for you here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, and on that Raiders mobile app as we are counting you down to the NFL draft here right around the corner, and we have some exciting programming for you. So there's a lot happening. I'm excited about it. Uh, ready to do what I think I do best, anchor in that draft from the facility. I'll have Eric Allen, Lincoln Kennedy, And we'll have all the guests, our insiders. We're going to do a big job as we count down for what is a massive moment in Las Vegas Raiders history. Not in the history of the Raiders, maybe so. But in Las Vegas, in the history of this new regime, it's a big one. And we're all over it, and we'll have that programming for you. Vinny Bonsignor joins us at 1.30 today in about 90 minutes. I love having Vinny on when he has a new column out. And his column today is Jacobs, still waiting to see if a long-term deal is coming. And this is a huge topic and a very important topic coming forward because uh, Josh led the league in rushing, which was very impressive, which is really cool. He was able to do that. Saquon Barkley uh, got pretty much the same franchise tag for the same amount of money, and he's not signing that franchise tender. He hopes the Giants are working out on a deal with them. Giants gave their quarterback $40 million, Daniel Jones. He's not as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't know what the Raiders are doing with Josh Jacobs' contract. I have no idea. People in the building don't know. That's a very high decision on the franchise tag and what they can work out. Uh, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels in the past talked about wanting to get a deal done long-term, and we'll wait to hear from them, and we'll wait to see what's going to happen here. But everybody would like to see Josh Jacobs here long-term. Everybody knows that the running back position is kind of a discounted position compared to the way it was if you grew up in any era that had Marcus Allen or Bo Jackson or before that Earl Campbell Tony Dorsett, Emmett Smith, Walter Payton. Back then, when I grew up as a kid, you took the running back first. Running back was the most important position. You needed a running back. Now you need a young quarterback that can start quickly, who can lead your team in the first three or four years to see if you're going to give them a long-term 200 to $300 million contract extension. That's what this entire league is based on now. A lottery ticket. If you can get a quarterback for a cheap price, and it's not as cheap as it used to be. The rookie contract for a quarterback that's a high pick is a lot of money, but still you're able to go get better players, and then hopefully if you catch lightning in a bottle, that quarterback performs well, you keep him cost-effective, and then you play for a Super Bowl. That's it. Everybody knows that. If you get a guy like Mahomes or Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow or Josh Allen, in the beginning you don't pay a lot of money for him, but then you got to start re-signing him 
to these unbelievable contracts that are out of control financially. You've got to start giving away now maybe up to 300 to 400 million and a couple of hundred million guaranteed. The Raiders are not in that position. The Raiders are not in that position to do that. Their last great quarterback was Rich Gannon. He was a journeyman at the time, and then he became a MVP in the league. Won the MVP twice at the pros, Pro Bowl when they actually played the Pro Bowl, and it mattered. And he went to a Super Bowl and two championship games, AFC championship games. And Rich Gannon was not drafted through the Raiders. Derek Carr had nine years as a second-round pick, had a very good career with the Raiders, very good, set all the records. But, you know, if you go back in the history of this franchise, and I go back to Tom Flores, the original, uh, our, our good friend that passed away. When you think about legendary Raiders, the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, how cool was he? And then the Snake, my friend Kenny the Snake Stabler. If you look at those uh, quarterbacks, they made some money, but they didn't make a ton of money, man. They didn't really make any money. Even the quarterbacks back then didn't make a lot of money. They didn't get huge raises. Snake was an MVP and a Super Bowl champion. And I was talking uh, earlier to a Hall of Famer about this. I asked about the offense back in the day. And the offense back in the day ran 20 plays, and they repeated the plays if they worked. I was fascinated by this conversation. Again, sometimes I talk to people, and they don't want their name on the radio. So I give a hint, and you can guess, and I'm not going to say who they are. But these are true stories. I've never exaggerated. I've exaggerated. I've never lied to you. And the Hall of Famer I talked to today basically told me that, look, they were able to run the ball really effectively behind Uppy, Gene Upshaw, and Art Shell, two of the all-time greats. They ran the ball a lot back in the day, and they threw it. And when they threw it, they were throwing to guys like Bolitnikoff and Branch and Mike Ciani and Casper and all them. And if the play worked, they ran it again. And I said, excuse me? I said, let me repeat that. If the play worked, we ran it and we repeated the play often. Kansas City knew what we were running. Denver knew what we were running. San Diego, the Chargers knew what we were running. They couldn't stop it, so we ran it again. And he said, now this team's got 30 to 40 different passing plays and passing combinations. At times, it could become very complex because you want to run these complex plays. Well, back in the day, you didn't. It was more one-on-one coverage, more press coverage, the ability to run it. And what you did back in the day when the Raiders were super successful, what they did was they worked off play action with Stabler because they ran the ball so well. When you, the way they were running the ball with Marv Hubbard or Pete Banaszak or Clarence Davis, go back to any of those running backs. They were all very good. And then they'd work off play action. And Snake was amazing with the pump fake. And Snake had amazing hips where he could turn his body. He was a lefty. So he could throw it to the left side. Or he could check down from the left side and wait for Branch to get open and throw him a bomb. Well, the Raiders have that now with Devontae. You can compare Devontae to Branch and Bolitnikoff. They're both in the Hall of Fame. Devontae's going to the Hall of Fame. He hasn't played in the games, the magnitude of games, and he played in a few big ones with the Green Bay Packers. But Devontae is the key to this offense along with Josh Jacobs. So the biggest motivational change that I've had on the radio over the last 8 to 12 months is now that I can see Josh Jacobs at his best. I've seen him play well since he's come here. He has. And I've seen many games where he was just average. He was no better than anybody in this league. He was like a top 10 back. Now he's up to one or two. And when you got a guy who's ranked one or two, leads the league in rushing, you got to lean on that player. Because now he's proven to you, he's shown you the maximum what he can do. So when you see the maximum, you got to get two or three more of those out of him. Because Josh could have ended up being an 1,100, 1,200-yard rusher. 
1,200 yards is no good. There's 17 games. There's not 12 games. 1,200 yards is great if you play 12 games. There's 17 of them now. So you got to get 15, 1,600 yards, and many don't because it's a pass-happy league. The Raiders have a running back now that can carry this offense like he did in Seattle when he broke through for that 80-plus yard touchdown run, which was incredible. You got to get guys like that. And when you have them, you know, if you had Earl Campbell and Tony Dorsett and Marcus, you knew you were going to have them for eight to 10 years. Now you look at these guys and you're just looking for two or three. And we just got Josh's best season. Can we get another one or two? No, well, Vinny's column breaks down what the numbers could look like. You know, 10 plus million in a franchise tag is pretty good money. Josh is probably worth more than that. He led the league in rushing. So if you do a two-year deal with him or a three-year deal with him, and we know how contracts are written today. It's about the signing bonus and then the way the Raiders write contracts, which I think is strong, the contract you can get out of. You can extend Darren Waller and you can extend Derek Carr and then you can immediately get out of the contract. It's only the guaranteed money they make. You can always get out, but then you have dead cap hits and some complications there that they all seem to figure it out. So I'm going to wait about another you know, hour or so to talk to Vinny about the specifics behind Josh Jacobs. I'd like to know from you heading into the draft what you'd like to do with Josh Jacobs. I think most of you would like to give him a contract extension, you know, more guaranteed money, a longer-term deal, you know, two or three years. You're not going to give Josh a five-year deal at running back, no. But what would you like to see him get? What do you think is the fair market for him? Because Saquon Barkley today, it's the biggest story in the NFL at ESPN.com. He's not showing up. He's not showing up. And he's not going to sign that franchise tender now because he wants a better deal, rightfully so. And then Giants did something different. The Giants made Daniel Jones a priority over Saquon Barkley. And I don't think that was a good move because, you know, they got to have a quarterback. And the quarterback there with the Giants, they finally think he's passed the test. But Saquon Barkley is a hell of a player. So he will not sign the franchise tag before the Giants offseason program starts. That's a big story in New York today, along with the Knicks making the playoffs and the Yankees and the Mets playing baseball today on getaway day. The Giants designated Barkley as their franchise player last month, but have continued contract negotiations with the former number two overall draft selection. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds familiar. It sounds like what they're doing here. Giants owner John Mara said last month he hoped to reach a long-term deal that he wants Barkley, quote, to be a giant for his entire career. Uh, Giants are pretty loyal with their guys. Eli Manning, if you look back at the Giants, man, that's John Mara, okay? His family has owned that franchise for a long time. They are very loyal with their players to a fault, and they'll keep players longer. If the Giants don't sign Barkley to a long-term deal by July 15th, the two-time Pro Bowler would make $10.091 million, same as Josh Jacobs, in 2023 under the one-year franchise tender. So that's a big deal. We're going to see what's going to happen there. A lot of people say, hey, get a cheaper running back. I don't know. I think if the Raiders are going to compete for the playoffs and surprise some people and have a really good year, it's probably going to be because of Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, and Jimmy Garoppolo. Man, I'd take those three guys into any war in the NFL. You come out of the tunnel with Devontae, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Josh Jacobs, that's good. I'm not saying it's elite, but it's pretty close to being elite. Jimmy Garoppolo's won a lot of games, Devontae's elite, and Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing. So the Raiders' offense, to me, is really something we've been talking about for weeks here, and I'm in a pretty good spot with them. But I don't know what's going to happen here. I never get in front of players' monies. 
That's why I think I've been cordial with all the players that I've worked with for over 20 years. They've never sat down with me and they've never seen me at events and they've never walked up to me, not one, and said, hey, I heard on the radio you were talking about my money. It will never happen. It's never happened. I do not get in the way of other people's money and their families. It's none of my business. That's why they hire a GM. That's why you have an owner. That's why you have a head coach. They figure out the money and then we react to it. 702-365-9200. Man, I, I love this Golden Knights team, man. I was watching last night, man. It was unbelievable. They get off to a really good start out of the gate, which is really important. And that's really important that they start fast because th- this team plays better with the lead. They got a lot of snipers. They got a lot of guys who can score. Uh, here they go up 2-1 to one with a guy who scores the first two goals on the night. Listen to this. Right wing, it's Smith, drifting to the corner, he centered, they score! Amadio with his second. 2-1 Knights, two minutes into the second period. Amadio had a monster game. And Riley Smith, who we had on the show, he joined us exclusively over a week ago. He's another guy. He's got to play at his highest level. He's got to be a sniper and come through like last night. Stripped from behind, Amadio, great defensive play on Jaden Schwartz. Leads to a two-on-one, Hey for Amadio, to the goal, stop, rebound, score! Riley Smith gets the goal, Mike Amadio so close to a hat-trick, he'll get an assist, Smith makes it 3-1 nights. Yeah, that's a great call, Dan Duver, on all these calls there. And then Marcheseau, who's having a big year. I mean, look at what Eichel's making compared to Marcheseau. They both played well, and they can both dominate a game from time to time. I like Marcheseau feeling good coming into the last game of the year tomorrow night. Here's another Marshy goal. Right circle, Stevenson. Petrangelo, one-time a block. Rebound. Score! Marcheseau! 28th goal for Marcheseau. A power play goal. Knights lead 4-1. Just over three minutes into the third. All right, so that's where we stand here. I'm excited about this team. Here's the story. They have to win one more game or get a point and tie Thursday night at Seattle. Uh, It's imperative that they win the West. They fought all year long through injuries, no Mark Stone, uh, goalie issues, getting goalies healthy. If they could be the one seed, everybody who can hear me that's ever heard of the sport hockey, to be the one seed, the other one seed, Broke the points record all time in Boston. Okay, let that sink in. All time, going back to the Canadiens, going back to the greatest teams of all time, Boston has broken the point record back east. We don't have to play them until the Stanley Cup. We have to get to the Stanley Cup. If we get to the Stanley Cup, my theory is Boston will be beat up by going through the Devils, Tampa Bay, tougher teams, wars in the east. And maybe we'll have a puncher's chance. We won't be the favorite. We won't be the favorite at all. But, you know, and it could be tough, you know, getting through Edmonton and getting through Colorado and a lot of other good teams here. But I don't think that Vegas would have much of a chance if they were in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I don't because of the injuries, Stone, and all that. We got a chance here because of where they play. So I'm excited. I'm thrilled. Thursday night is a big game. And everybody in town should be behind this team. And if you're not a Vegas Golden Knight fan, you're listening in San Jose or Florida, we get that. But I got to cater to Vegas where I live and where this show's based. And I'm over the top with this team. Uh, A little bit later, I'll get to the Lakers. I might have watched the worst basketball game of the year last night. Holy crap, was it awful. The Timberwolves had the Lakers dead. Done. And then they start shooting threes. I despise that about this sport. 
you're up by 10, and then a guy like Carl Anthony Towns has taken three-pointers. Not Steph Curry. Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Davis are taking three-pointers. And then the Lakers just started chipping away. And then the Lakers, boneheaded play by Anthony Davis. I'll get to this next. You had to see it to believe it. And the Lakers win, and now they're going to be the seventh seed going up against Memphis, where the Lakers should have lost the game, easily should have lost the game. And they still would have had to play one more game to be the eighth seed and play Denver. And they wouldn't have got past Denver in the first round. And the Warriors, there's a chance that the Warriors can play the Lakers in the second round. And believe me, the refs want that and the league wants that. All right, it's always good to start off a show with Chris in West Oakland whenever he has time for us. Chris, begin. Thank you for calling. What's happening? Hey, JT. I'll hit. I'll give you a call Friday about the NBA playoffs. But before I get to my Raider and, and foot, football opinion, you're right. Charles Barkley said it last night. He didn't sugarcoat it where all these people was. It wasn't good defense. It was just bad basketball last night. The Timberwolves are just the dumbest team in the NBA. Last year, they blew three 20-point leads in their four losses to Memphis in the first round. Should have won that. Clearly didn't learn anything. And you're right about Carl Anthony Towns. Not only is it ridiculous that a seven-footer shooting the three-pointers, he's shooting three-pointers when he's got a guy half a foot shorter guarding him. The Timberwolves deserve to lose, and they're probably going to lose again tomorrow night. But I'll give you more of an NBA call maybe on Friday. I want to talk about – was glad to hear you talk about Snake and the old Raiders. Look – I think that whoever you were talking to hit it right on the head about running plays that work. I think these coaches outthink themselves sometimes to the point. How many times before last year would we talk when the Raiders would come out of the tunnel? Derek Carr would go no huddle, and the Raiders would go right down the field and score a touchdown. Then they don't go no huddle again until they're desperate at the end of the game. I'll never understand the theory that if something works, you go away from it in the NFL. It also helps that on that offense, the Raiders had seven Hall of Famers and just had better players, which allowed you to let the other team know what you were going to do, and they were still better than you. But but I, I miss that old era of football where the quarterback called his own plays, and if something worked, you just beat a team in a submission. Now Josh Jacobs. Look, JT, I like Josh Jacobs. I would not give this guy a long-term contract. I wouldn't give any running back a long-term contract. He led the league in rushing, and it got the Raiders a grand total of seven wins, uh, six wins this year. The last four or five rushing champions, Dalvin Cook, uh, Josh Jacobs, Derek Henry, um, Jonathan Taylor, they don't do anything. They've never won anything. Five of the last six have missed the playoffs altogether. You know why? Because if, it's, if you're leading the league in rushing, that means you probably don't have a very good quarterback. Teams that don't have very good quarterbacks don't usually make the playoffs. So if I could afford give Jacobs an affordable contract, I would. And I know he led the league last year, but that was also his contract year. He had injury troubles leading up to that. I would not break the bank on any running back. I hope Jacobs gets – I'd like to keep him. But, again, running backs are a dime a dozen now. It's more important that we get 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns out of our quarterback than 1,500 yards out of, out of our running back which, again, Jacobs is a nice guy. He's a good fit. I hope he, they find a way to keep him, but I would not overpay for him. I would not overpay for any running back. Now let's hit what I talked to you earlier today about. Devin White has requested a trade from the Tampa Bay Bucks. The Raiders have 12 draft choices. It's high time they stop letting these all-pro defensive players that are available for mid-round draft choices pass through their fingers. Roquan Smith, Jalen Ramsey, um, 
you know, multiple times the Raiders have had uh, had a chance the last few years to get these guys, and they won't part with draft choices. We know Devin White can lead a team to the Super Bowl. We know Devin White can lead a, uh, is an all-pro leader on a great defense because he's already done it. We should have taken him instead of Cleveland Farrell a few years ago. I know you're going to have to pay for him, but you know what? Let's roll. Let's not roll the dice with another guy in the draft that you don't know how good he's going to be. I already know how good Devin White is. Go out, give a mid-level draft choice if you can get him. Spend some extra money. Now you've got a difference maker in Max Crosby. You get a difference maker in Devin White. You go out and you get a stud corner and a safety. And now we've actually got three players on defense that make other players around them, which means maybe you don't have to get six or seven new starters because some of the guys that aren't there might be better just because they're playing next to an all-pro. Spend the money. Take this your thing. Quit rolling the dice thinking you're smarter than everybody else, and you'll get somebody better in the draft. Thank you, my friend, for letting me run. As always, have a great day. Yeah, that's a great player that you're mentioning. And White's the type of guy you can drop in the middle, and he's still young enough. He's played a lot of football and a lot of big-time football, and he's one of the best impact linebackers in the league. And he's forcing a trade to get more money out of Tampa. And Tampa probably won't do that because they're in a light rebuild after they took a shot with Tom Brady and won, just like the Rams took a shot with Matthew Stafford and won. The Rams aren't going back to the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay's not going back to the Super Bowl. So are they going to reward the players who want to be rewarded recently and give them new, fresh money? He's one of the guys I would because he's a hell of a player and he's the captain and the leader of the defense here. He'd be the perfect Raider. I got no argument with that, but the point is you got to pay a premium for him. And I do not believe now that the Raiders are at a place where they're paying a premium on defensive players. Look, Chandler Jones has not lived up to the price of that contract. No debate. Everybody knows that. Max has, and Max has been rewarded. And there's a lot of other players on that defense that have no long-term money coming in. None. And that's rightfully so. They shouldn't. Epsom Spillane just came in here. I don't know exactly how those contracts look, but they're going to start. Nate Hobbs, it better play better. And then he could get a contract, a, a really good contract down the road, but he's got to have an amazing offseason. And then they're going to get a bunch of players in the draft that aren't going to cost a lot of money. They're not going to cost a lot of money at all who they get in the draft here. And some of these defensive players have to be great. Uh, we're going to talk to Vinny in about an hour. He tweeted out that Jalen Carter is in the building today with the Raiders. So the Raiders having a visit with the best defensive player in the draft. Not one of the best defensive players in the draft. The best player in the draft on defense. And two months ago, maybe the best player overall, but he's had some off-the-field issues. And that's why he has to be in the building on a visit. They're having another visit with someone on the field. He's exactly what the Raiders need. He's a force. He's a beast. He would clean up everything for the Raiders at the point of attack on the defensive line. But you got to make sure mentally that the guy can handle Vegas. you got to make sure it's got to be close to a lock, and it's not going to be a lock. How could it be a lock? Never a lock. You know, you see guys come here, and they make mistakes, but you know, they make as many mistakes in Miami, and they make mistakes in New York, and they make mistakes in other towns, but it's magnified here. If you make a mistake in Vegas, it's magnified here. And we got to have players here with high character. And I know Mike Mayock and Reggie McKenzie before that, they, they preached high character guys. All the GMs do that. Name me one GM who's never said in every conversation we want high-profile, high-character guys. Well, I don't know this kid from Georgia. I haven't sat down in front of him, but his tape is incredible. You know, if you get injured in a car accident, it's scary, it's stressful, it's disorienting. It happens all the time. 
you're on the road every day. If you're driving on the strip, the 215, the 95, there's more cones everywhere. I can't believe how many cones are here. And that's because they're building the city out at an alarming rate, which I love for business. You got to get F1 ready up to speed. Drop a canna, what they're doing there. Oh, my God, what a construction site, which means there's going to be more accidents and injuries. I got the DeCastaverde Law Group for you. Alex and Orlando DeCastaverde, they run a family law group dating back to their dad who was super successful. I've been in their law offices. I've met their staff. I've tried to refer people to them here with this show. It's Raider Nation Radio. They're a proud partner. If you're a Raider fan, give them a call. If you're a sports fan and you need someone that can help you and put you first, their staff is incredible. And plus, you get a free, no-obligation consultation with them. So sit down with the DeCastaverde Law Group or put this number in your phone. It's a great number, 702-222-9999, 702-222-9999. Alex DeCastaverde, he's a Raider fan. He sits in my section. He's a diehard season ticket holder. He's the type of guy you want fighting for you. All right, so we're going to get into Vinny coming up next hour. I'm going to try to stay on the NFL draft front, uh, get into the Lakers and the Golden Knights. That's what I want to do. My name's on the show. I'm talking sports every day, multiple sports, but a heavy dose of the Raiders in the draft uh, coming up here the next couple of days. Exciting news on what we're going to do on broadcast day, Thursday and Friday on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Thanks for listening to Raider Nation Radio. Crowd has been loud today, plenty to cheer about, and they'll come to their feet one final time. Seven seconds to go. Ben Hutton with the puck on his stick in his own zone. Steers it around behind. Picked up by Vegas, and the clock runs out. The Knights win 4-1 against Seattle, their 50th victory of the season. That's Golden Knights Radio on the call. Welcome back, JT. What a win, what a win. Beat the Kraken. As we are back here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. And as you know, in our building, the powerful Lotus Broadcasting, our sister station, right there, 1340 with the Golden Knights. And that's a game that they had to have, and they need one more point to secure the number one seed in the Western Conference playoffs. And it's a big point in Seattle. Seattle is going to be rumbling. It's the final game of the year for a new franchise. The place is going to be off the hook. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be loud. And Vegas needs a point. They don't need two. They don't have to win. They got to get to overtime. And and they're pretty good at that. As we've seen this year, VGK can get to a game. Even if they're trailing late, they could fight back and get for a tie. When they get to overtime, of course you want to win. And you want to win in the shootout to get two points. Uh, This is a team that plays every game to win. But I think you're going to get a great test from Seattle coming up in this game. So, Again, I was watching that last night, and they blew the game open. Final home game of the year. I had a bunch of buddies on a text group uh, that I go to games with, and they were texting back and forth, and they just loved it. And if you went to the game last night, and that was the final home game of the year, you know the playoffs are going to come. That matters more. But for the home fans here in Vegas, I think you should be really happy for the season. Considering the Mark Stone injury, uh, he's skating with the team, the goaltender issues, the injuries, everything that went down this year. With everything that went down this year, I think you should be thrilled to death 
that our Vegas Golden Knights could be the number one seed here tomorrow night. At a minimum, the number two, and I don't want to get that number two. Number one's going to come in handy here if they got to play in a game that matters in a game seven at home. Imagine the Fortress in a game seven early in the playoffs or late in the playoffs to go to the Stanley Cup final. The Bruins broke the point record. If the Vegas Golden Knights were in the Eastern Conference, if they were in the Eastern Conference, I don't think they'd stand a chance. Out of all due respect, because I think Vegas is very good, no chance. If they had to play Boston in a seven-game series in the same conference early in the playoffs, midway through, I don't think they'd advance. But they could face Boston in the Stanley Cup, or Boston could get picked off. Picked off some way, somehow, by a really good team like Tampa Bay or the Devils that way. So I wanted to throw the hockey in because I opened up the show with that. Uh, Vinny Bonsignor coming up. Always excited to talk to Vinny about what he has to bring. He wrote a really good column on Josh Jacobs and the future of Josh Jacobs with this franchise tag. So we'll dive deep into all of that. So the NBA playoffs are here. And as you noticed, if you've been listening, and I greatly appreciate it, I spent a lot of time this time of year on the NBA. It's a sports talk show. The Lakers won last night in an outright garbage game. I mean, a terrible game. It was awful. Minnesota had the game won. They were two men down. McDaniels punched the wall, so his hand is broke. And Rudy Gobert threw a punch at Kyle Anderson the game before, so he was suspended. So the Lakers were down 10 points most of the game. They were down 15 at one point. And they started fighting back to get into this game. And they were fighting back hard to get into it. And there was a one point in the game that I did not think the Lakers could possibly win the game. Because Minnesota was knocking down three after three. They were making plays. They were doing everything they needed to do down the stretch. Let's go to LeBron James, this three-pointer in the fourth quarter. You could tell LeBron was able to take over the game. Hachimura. LeBron. And then right after that, in regulation, the Lakers were dead, and Dennis Schroeder saved them with a corner three where LeBron attacked the rim, made a pass out into the corner. This, to me, was the highlight of the game. LeBron against Edwards, the switch on defense, now on Prince. LeBron takes it in, gets it out, Schroeder, So, Shooter hits that shot. They're up by three. The game should be over. And Anthony Davis fouls Mike Connolly on a three-point shot. Probably the dumbest bonehead decision you could make. I mean, that's stupid of a play. But Connolly had a wide-open shot, and Anthony Davis tried to close him out, and he hit him on the hand. How could Anthony Davis do that? Anthony Davis drives me nuts. He's a brilliant player. He's no Kareem. He's no Shaq, I can tell you that. And as I said last night, he's no Pau Gasol either. But he's got a championship ring. And Davis made that bonehead decision. Connolly hit all three foul shots in a row. And I was tweeting live at the time, which that's never good because I thought the game was over. But Connolly made the free throws. And then the Lakers, here's the final call. As the Lakers end up winning in overtime and they advance into the playoffs, they're now the seventh seed and they'll take on Memphis. The loose ball and Anderson's got it. And Edwards... Through tonight, struggled 3 of 16 and 3 of 17. The Los Angeles Lakers will play the two-seed Memphis Grizzlies in a first-round series starting in Tennessee on Sunday. So all that is great for the Lakers. I'm happy the Lakers won. My son's a diehard Laker fan. I want to see the Lakers in the playoffs. And Memphis is a trash-talking, 
team. John Morant got in trouble this year for the gun in the strip club. They got a guy, a bunch of guys who chirp, and they're already chirping, and that should be a good series. And Memphis is the two seed. Memphis should end up winning, I believe, the series here, but the Lakers got a really big puncher's chance, and then the Lakers are in the same bracket with Golden State who's playing Sacramento. So the league and Adam Silver and the TV partners all want to see the Lakers and the Warriors, including myself. That would be a best-of-seven series with Steph Curry and LeBron James. Clay Thompson, Anthony Davis. You kidding me? That's two weeks of basketball from L.A. to the Bay Area in San Francisco with nights off, and that's what the NBA is begging for. Matter of fact, forget about the NBA Finals. It could be Milwaukee or Boston against Denver, Phoenix. Let's forget about that for a second. If the NBA could lock in the Warriors and the Lakers in a best-of-seven in the second round, uh, that would feel like the NBA Finals for Adam Silver. So get ready for that. And I say that with a wink and a nod to the referees because the referees showed up at the end of that Laker game. Carl Anthony Towns was in foul trouble. And let me just mention Carl Anthony Towns. He was so soft, absolutely soft. It drove me nuts as he was taking threes when they had the game put away and he's taking long range threes. But here's the soundbite that I want to play for everybody. Bobby has this. This is Zion Williamson of New Orleans. And this had my blood boiling last night. Literally, if you took the temperature of my blood, it was close to boiling. When this soundbite went around the league, Zion Williamson is ready to play. He rehabbed a hamstring injury for months. He's ready to go. And he admitted that he's okay and ready to go, but he still doesn't want to play. Listen to this. Uh, if I feel like Zion, I'll be out there. Is it, is it kind of shocking that it's taken this long? Is that a um, I wouldn't say shocking. I would just say uh, just the team and myself just being extra cautious so it doesn't happen again. What, what do you feel like you can do on the court right now? Uh, I, I pretty much do everything, but it's just a matter of the level that I was playing at before uh, my hamstring. And I'm just, I'm just a competitor. I don't want to go out there and be in my own head and affect the team when I can just – be on the sideline supporting them more because, you know, as I know myself. If I, if I was to go out there, uh, I would be in my head. I would be in my head. Like I would make, I would hesitate on certain moves and that could affect the game. I've never heard anything like that in my life. I, could, I swear to you, I've never heard anything like that in my life. I think that Zion Williams lost thousands of fans. More people who hear that soundbite can't believe it. He is capable of playing in an elimination game with his team. He's a superstar. He can play. He said everything's fine. I didn't say it. That's coming from him. He's so immature. He doesn't know how to deal with the media. And that young man won't play because he doesn't think he's Zion. What does he think? He's going to come back and score 40 in his first game? He might only need two buckets to save the day. Willis Reed died last month, the, uh, the Nick captain. And in game seven at the Garden, he came out of the tunnel limping with the serious injury, just played a few minutes, scored a bucket, and then left the game. And he is the captain of the Knicks and remembered forever, the Hall of Famer, for that moment. Coming out of the tunnel and to come and lead as the captain to the championship when he could barely walk. That's the legacy of Willis Reed. No one saw Willis Reed play unless you're old enough. No one remembers Willis Reed. But if you go on YouTube today and put in Willis Reed, the first thing that's going to come up is not him making a bucket. It's going to be him walking through the tunnel at Madison Square Garden in Game 7 as the Knicks won a championship. 
as inspiration. And we can't get that out of Zion in a 10-9 game, in a loser's bracket game. So that, to me, you lost me on Zion. What a bust he's been. What, what a dramatic bust he is to say that on record. And what was New Orleans doing putting him out there in front of the media if he's not going to play anyway? Because he wasn't prepped up, and the media just feasted on those comments. I'm still in shock. We got that soundbite last night. I tweeted it out at JT the Brick. Go read some of the responses. I give players all the credit in the world for playing through injury. But one of the topics I've been talking about with you is the problem with the NBA, and it's not the problem with the NFL. NFL players will play when hurt. Week 14, 15, the season on the line, you're an NFL player. If you can go 10 plays, you'll play. If you can go 30 plays on defense, you'll go. And then you'll get subbed out, but you'll try to play for your team. That's not the case anymore in the NBA. In the NBA, guys like Zion Williamson want to be 100%. How many hockey players you think on the Golden Knights are close to 100% now? Anybody? That'd be none. None of them are at 100%. They're all beat up. They played a long year, and the Golden Knights have to play Thursday night to secure the number one seed. They're already in the playoffs. In theory, they could shut the whole thing down, but they can't do that. They got to put out a hockey product. They got to put out these guys on the ice, and they're all going to play and the same amount of shifts because they're hockey players. So that Zion comment really rubbed me the wrong way. And if you want to get a reaction in on that, 702 365. 9,200 is the number. I'm just shocked every once in a while when I, when I cover this load management story and injury story. Look at baseball. Baseball's off to the start of the season. Pitchers won't pitch past the fifth inning. <laughs> they won't go six. Why? Because I guess it's April, and they want to loosen up their arm and get ready. Well, are you kidding me? Do you think that Bob Gibson and Steve Carlton and Greg Maddox, Catfish Hunter, go down the list of all the great baseball pitchers, Hall of Famers, who in April and May said to their skipper, I'll give you five. That's what's happening now with Garrett Cole with the Yankees, Max Scherzer with the Mets. I'll give you five or six. Why not nine? I don't know. They're getting paid. They're getting paid $40 million to pitch, not to hit. And they're only giving you five innings because we are living in a society now where rest is important, and it's always been important, rest and downtime. And then when someone gets a tweak or some type of injury, they take their time to come back. Used to be athletes back in the day would rush to come back because they'd want to help their teammates. Zion Williamson, to me, is a gutless fraud. He could have been one of the great players, and his body can't handle his weight and his strength, so he has lower extremity issues with his hamstrings. I get that. If you can't play, you're hurt. But he just told you in that soundbite he's fine. Quote, fine. And he won't give his team 10, 20, 30 minutes. That's about as low as you can get as a professional athlete, especially a superstar who makes a lot of money off the court. JT at JT the Brick as we continue on. Hey, thanks to Resorts World. Uh, Scott Sabella, the president of Resorts World, has a vision on how to do sports right. It's a bit different. In that casino, you don't walk in and there's not a big, giant sports book right in the middle of that casino. No, that's not the culture of that place. It's gorgeous. You can eat off the floors. They put the sports book in Doghouse Saloon, which is the sports bar. So you want to place your bets. they got beautiful couches, a place to sit, a great staff to take your bets, and then you just slide over, and you're in the middle of a great sports bar with live entertainment and concerts after the game. Head on out if you haven't been to yet Doghouse Saloon. That's the home of our Monday night football party when the season comes up here. JT, as we continue on, always appreciate you listening as we're counting down to the NFL draft as we continue right here on the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio.
The 0-2 pitch. Swung on a miss, strike three. So Andre Jackson faces four batters, and he strikes out three of them, retires them all in order. Finishes up tonight for the Dodgers. They get a win. So, buddy, Tim Neverett on the call. We've been working with Tim for decades, and I have another friend coming on, one of the most respected names in all of Vegas sports from the Las Vegas Aviators, media relations. Everybody knows him in town. Jim Gemma kind enough to join us. Jim, happy week of baseball here. I saw the cover of the paper, uh, paper today at the ballpark. $2 beer night caught my attention. How are you? JT, uh, I'm always... Uh... Uh, appreciative to come on. I, I, I love your Raiders coverage and uh, during the season, and uh, obviously there's really not an off season in the NFL. But I know you're a big fan of two dollar beer night. It's kind of the <laughs> old uh, throwback from dollar beer night at Cashman Field. We had to keep it rolling here in Summerlin. How do you make the two dollar beer? Everyone who can hear my voice when they hear two dollar beer night. Oh, what about the fee? What about the lines? When I go there, it's a glorious experience. The way you have it set up outside the concourse, inside, no one's in a rush, no one's going crazy, and it's a nice moving line, and everybody has fun. Well, that's really great to hear. Um, you know, obviously the Las Vegas ballpark, the downtown Summerlin area is fantastic. Uh, we always like to beat this drum. We're the only professional sports team in town that has free parking. We have huge parking lots beyond the right field area. So, it, you know, we try to make it a great experience for the fans. And uh, the Las Vegas ballpark, walking here every day, really the lower bowl is a major league stadium. Absolutely. Jim Gemma joins us. And, Jim, every year, talking to Donnie Logan and you, there's always something new to the ballpark. I mean, the ballpark is built out, but there are people who still haven't been there, and we have tourists are coming in for the first time. You've won awards at the ballpark continually. What's new at the ballpark with the fan interactive experience? Well, first of all, uh, uh, to answer the question, uh, I just think the overall, uh, just keep it uh, the way we've had it since mm-hmm. uh since we opened in 2019, we just want to make it a great fan experience. Obviously, professional sports catering does a great job here. They're always changing the food options. But we still want to make it affordable family fun. It's a corny slogan, but that's what kept minor league baseball going. That's why we're still here 40 years later. And then we just want to talk about the turf. Uh, you know, with Enchant here, we've had this turf's only been in since February. It looks mm-hmm. incredible. It, it's playing great, so everything between the chalk lines is good there, too. But it's just the overall fan experience. We want to keep it going that way. Jim Gemma joins us from the Aviators, media relations, uh, really well-respected in town, and he's all over town when it comes to sports, and we love supporting him here with the Aviators. Tell us about the ball club this year, the start, uh, some of the rivalry games already, and what you're expecting on this homestand. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Uh, the first home stand, we had the Dodgers, uh, Oklahoma City, and now we have the Angels, Salt Lake. I still can't believe uh, Joe Adele's playing with Salt Lake. He's just a great talent. He just hasn't broken in up with the Angels. Hopefully he'll get a chance to play with another organization if it doesn't work out with the Angels. He's a, a great prospect. He's not even a prospect anymore. He's been here for, been there for so long with them. But uh, on, on our side, uh, we have Drew Rosinski making an ML rehab start tonight. Paul Blackburn did last night. So, uh, you know, Tyler Soderstrom, uh, he's our top prospect in the A system for three years now. He's 21 years old. He, he's worth coming to watch. Awesome. Jim Gemma, as we wrap it up here. Jim, one of the other things, I know the kids love it because you have a lot of experiences. The kids are going to be able to run the bases. You know, the baseball out here in Vegas, Summerlin South Little League is the neighborhood I live in, and we got people listening in Deep Henderson and club ball. 
and high school baseball is massive. Uh, tell everybody how you make it so fan-friendly. I see kids with their gloves. You got the opportunity to run the bases coming up here Sunday, and the kids just love the experience. The pro shop, when I go in there, with all the new gear that you release every year, and the kids want a new hat, they want a new jersey, because the logo and everything you're doing keeps up with every team around the world. The experience for kids is what makes it great. And some of the old timers, my dad, he's 84. He's coming out here next month. He can't wait to go to the ballpark. So it fits everyone. Yeah, that, that's really great to hear. Uh, you know, kids run the bases on Sundays. I saw the other night, Oklahoma City player was playing catch with a, with a young kid before the game when he was warming up. Stuff you see like that when you're a kid. I've been there too when I used to go to Angel Stadium when Nolan Ryan was pitching. You don't forget those things throughout throughout your life. When you have an experience like that as a young kid, that's what Major League Baseball needs to do too. And that's you, you just—it's grassroots. It really is. Awesome. I will see you out there tomorrow, Jim. Anything you're doing promotion-wise, last second or out in advance, and all the experiences you have there from going to Red Rock and then walking to the ballpark or leaving the ballpark and going to Red Rock for dinner right here in my neighborhood. It's incredible. I can't stop talking about it. Best to Don Logan, you, your entire staff, and whatever we can do to help and partner on the radio. Please reach out to us. JT, uh, thanks for having me on. Always great to be on your show. Uh, You have a great show. Thank you. Jim Gemma, media relations over at the Aviators. I've said this again, it's incredible to go to that ballpark. Incredible. It's so nice and new and fantastic, and the staff is incredible that you go in there and you have a blast every time. And $2 beer night, you know, he jumped right on me on that, knows I like the $2 beer night because I'm going with two of my, two of my buddies tomorrow night, and we're going to meet at Red Rock, and then we're going to go over there, we're going to sit somewhere, and we're going to sit out there and have a couple beers. And watch some baseball there and learn the roster and, and, and watch the games and hopefully enjoy some good baseball. But the views that you get of the mountains and looking back, it's fantastic. And if you get a chance to go into their suites and you go to their other areas, they built a ballpark where you can walk around the entire ballpark like you can in San Francisco and other ballparks. It's just fun to be able to get out of your seat and walk around and watch the game from another vantage point. So if you're living in town here, Jim mentioned it's free parking at Las Vegas Ballpark. Go out there and experience. And please, please, please do me one favor. Take a kid in your neighborhood. You have kids in your neighborhood who have not been to a ball game. And all you need to do is ask them to come to the ball game. Get permission from their parents and say, hey, we're taking a boatload of kids out to the game. I've got six or seven tickets. Let the kids come out with their glove. Let them run the bases. Let them experience that. Because that's how kids fall in love with baseball. Like I do, Yankees win. They just get out of a bases loaded jam. Yankees beat the Guardians 4-3. 4-0 series record this season. Only the fifth time in franchise history as we wrap up hour number one. All right, hour number two coming around the corner. Vinny Bonsignor will join us with his column. We're going to talk about Josh Jacobs and the visit today by Jalen Carter and what that means for the Raiders going forward here. Will the Raiders go defense and take a risk? with the best pass rusher available, or whether they go cornerback, which I think would be the smart move. Go get a corner. There's two of them that are going to be available at number seven. Get the lockdown corner for the next five, six, seven, eight years. Get them now. And then go into the second round. Or how about trading up from the second round into the late first round and getting the best available defensive player on the defensive line? Predominantly a defensive tackle. If If they can do that, and the Raiders can come out of the first two rounds with two defensive starters, I'll be thrilled to death. Hour number two coming up next.